Menopause Space podcast is brought to you by Reset 40, an evidence-based nutrition and wellness program for menopause and perimenopause. Hi, it's Lisa here. A quick announcement about a certified menopause training course I'm holding for healthcare professionals in Hong Kong. It's CPD training for anyone in the health and wellness space, and the aim is for you to have the skills to understand, offer care, and manage the risks for this growing population group. The training is on the 22nd of September at The Hive in Xiong Wan. Head over to themenopausespace.com slash events to sign up. I hope to see you there. Now, back to the podcast. One of the challenges in opening the conversation around menopause is the deeply intimate nature of some of the problems women experience at this stage of life. Bladder and bowel issues, sexual dysfunction, and pelvic organ prolapse are just some of the symptoms that can present themselves during this transition. Where once women suffered in silence, now there is a growing number of professional services geared toward supporting women's health, and more specifically, to help them strengthen and improve their pelvic health for better quality of life. In other words, you don't have to accept incontinence or pelvic discomfort as the price of growing older. In this episode, we get some expert help on the problems and solutions from women's health physio, Kim Toller from Joint Dynamics. I'm Lisa Tarquini in Hong Kong, and you're listening to The Menopause Space. Coming up on this episode, estrogen is like this wonder hormone for women and for our bodies and for our cells and our bodies love it everywhere. We have receptors for estrogen everywhere in our brain, in our heart, through our digestive system, our bones respond to it, our soft tissues, ligaments, muscles. Women's Health Physio Kim Toller gives us practical strategies to manage the decline of estrogen in our bodies. Hi Kim, good to see you. Thank you so much for joining me on the Menopause Space. How are you today? Hi Lisa, good to be with you today. I'm really great, happy to be here. So I know that a lot of the listeners will be familiar with what a physiotherapist does, but what in particular does a women's health physio do? Good question, Lisa. Apart from, yep, the traditional physiotherapy that we look after our clients in sort of that sports injury field and back and neck pain field, a women's health physio is specialized in more of women's health issues. So we really look at all of those issues that affect are unique to women and a lot of those issues as well involve the pelvic area. So we're really interested in the structures around the pelvis and also in just women's issues that can affect them through the lifespan. So we really look after women prenatally, postnatally. We look after them all through those life stages and the changes that happen as we progress through those different stages. So I'll have to be honest with you, until I actually you know, became menopausal and had my own pelvic health exam, I didn't know that a job like yours existed. But also, the only thing I knew was, sorry, mom, <laughs> I'm going, going to call my mom out, was, is that sometimes, you know, when you sneeze, a little bit of pee comes out, like a little bit of leakage. So I didn't understand the array of things that can present themselves during the menopause transition. So what 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 are these things? So talk us through what, what are some of the things that a woman may be presented with 
other than that cross in the legs when you sneeze. I know it's something so important to be talking about, isn't it, Lisa? Because it's really something that is, you know, in the shadows that we don't want to fess up to and that we'd rather keep private. But it's really important to have these conversations and know that, yes, that leakage that can come with a cough or a sneeze or that inability to think oh I can't trampoline or do high knees or or, no I don't do jumping jacks in my workout class you know that is not a normal part of any sort of age bracket so there are certainly things that you can do about those issues and seeing a, a pelvic health and a women's health physio is a really good way to see them to have a chat to them and see what treatment options are out there because yeah it really shouldn't be something that we accept as the norm all that we put up with. Oh, that's really good to hear that there are, you know, ways to manage that because, you know, as somebody who's experiencing menopause, you know, in her 30s and 40s, you know, going out to buy 10 ladies isn't something I wanted to do, you know. Um, and I'm I'm able now to educate my mum on these things and, you know, even my aunts and things that you can, I can chat to them about some of the, management uh, ways that I have learned but if we go back to you know when the menopause transition actually starts to happen what is the cause of some of these um, symptoms that present themselves is, is it estrogen or progesterone like what what is it that that causes these issues certainly through um, that perimenopause and into that menopause period it's a huge transition in a woman's life and there's a huge hormonal shift that happens and as you said some women go through that perimenopause or that menopausal state quite early for some women it is later or traditionally around that 50 year mark when the menopause really starts to transition to that final menstrual period so it can can as you said happen at any stage but the the driver and the change is really in our hormone level and we know that it's estrogen that starts to change and it does unfortunately start to decline and estrogen is like this wonder hormone for women and for our bodies and for our cells and our bodies love it everywhere we have receptors for estrogen everywhere in our brain in our heart through our digestive system, our bones respond to it, our soft tissues, ligaments, muscles. So it really has a systemic effect. So as we transition into menopause, we we can see sometimes a, a, a little bit of some of the things that may have happened when you've had your babies, which may be years ago, they, do, they can tend to catch up with you. So you've been able to sort of manage those years because you've had good estrogen all those tissues have had the help of that estrogen and as that estrogen starts to decline some of those issues can start to to, to become more apparent so then you're like oh what's happening I'm oh yeah I can't hold as much or oh yeah you know when I run downhill it's really hard to hold my pelvic floor and that decline in estrogen is affecting our, our soft tissues and it's affecting our muscles a little bit as well so Oestrogen does help to plump up a superficial pelvic floor. So that superficial layer is more on the outside. And we think about that, that being a little bit more like closing the door to the passage of wind or that last little bit of urine as we're going to um, sort of close it off. So oestrogen has a really good passive closure to all of those structures. So the less we have, the harder it is for those tissues to work. 
And then our pelvic floor, which sits a little bit higher in our pelvis and in our bowl. Also, the muscles there, we lose a little bit of bulk and strength, and that also just reduces our control there. So that can make those those things become more apparent. And, you know, those things are stressful. And, you know, to be honest, we really don't want to be having to think about it. We don't want to stop, stop our exercise routines because of it. We want to keep active and keep enjoying life. So those, you know, if you're coming across or you're thinking, oh, that's a barrier to exercise, then, you know, it's a really good good time to reach out and get help because there are certainly things that we can do to help and I'm sure we're going to discuss some of those as we go along. (laughs) Yeah so I suppose if a woman is getting to that stage where she maybe is playing netball like she's always played and is starting to feel a little bit of leakage or (laughs) oh I've just uh, passed wind on the court or you know a little bit of urgency to go to the toilet whether that's bladder function or bowel function at what stage should a woman come for a pelvic floor exam? Do you know, Lisa, I just, it's so important. Like it can be in any stage, but certainly if you're feeling symptoms, like it is, you know, seek help. Like you don't need to be putting up with it and there's treatment at hand. So I would really say to them, like, come and see us or someone that is uh, specialized in that field to really help them. I hope there's not, but there may be listeners who may not feel comfortable to come for a pelvic floor exam. You know, I still have friends who get squeamish about going for their pap smear, which is, you know, could save their life. And a pelvic floor exam could really improve your quality of life. So can you talk us through to a pelvic floor exam to help those who maybe want to go but don't feel comfortable to go can you break it down in a in a really nice way so that women you know reach out and get the help that they need yeah exactly you know a pelvic floor exam can take many shapes in terms of we there are many options in terms of assessing that muscle function we have some options that are more external based. So, yep, I, I totally agree. Sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable or, or not the thing that you think that you're going to the physio for. You're like, oh, do they do this sort of stuff? So a, a nice step to start with might be assessing the function of the muscles more externally. And that can certainly be done through clothing. We do use an ultrasound machine, which can give us another idea of how well the tissues are functioning. And that is an external exam. It is not an internal exam. So there are those sort of assessment tools that we can use. And then when we are assessing that muscle function, I know that, you know, it is easy to see how your bicep works. You know, we can see it, we can feel it. And with the pelvic floor, when we are looking at assessing that muscle function, it gives us more information again, if we can see how well it's functioning, if we can assess its strength, if we can assess its holding ability. And that assessment is similar to Pat Smith, okay? Like all assessments, it should not be painful. It should be comfortable. It can be stopped at any time. So hopefully if you're walked through the process you understand the process that we're just there to assess how well the muscle is functioning it also helps to give you some feedback and it can actually help with your treatment and your progression if you can understand those reasons then hopefully it's an exam that you can feel comfortable with 
But at the same time, if you're not comfortable with it, there are plenty of other things that we can do that can can be helpful. Oh, that's really good to hear. And I hope that um, if somebody is listening and is in need, that they feel more confident uh, to reach out and and get the help uh, that they need. So we talked about the bladder and the bowel and a little bit of leakage, but what are some of the pelvic floor issues that are associated with this midlife transition and beyond that we need to be more aware of? Yes, certainly, as you mentioned, bladder and bowel incontinence and that feeling of loss in control is certainly number one when we're thinking about treating those disorders. There can also be some symptoms associated with sexual function that we can uh, help to treat. And that can be caused because of, again, that hormonal shift, lowering estrogen, and we're not feeling as lubricated or those tissues aren't feeling quite as, that they almost thin out a little bit. So it can feel a little bit more sensitive. So there are things that um, people can use um, at home. Some over-the-counter lubricants are quite, can be quite useful to use. And we can also direct people towards getting help from their doctor and their medical practitioner, thinking about the use of some topical estrogens that can help with vaginal dryness. And that can be something that you can discuss with your doctor. So there are a couple of other things that we see in our menopausal ladies and that we can certainly help to treat. Oh, fantastic. And one of the things that that I personally uh, came for help with was lower back pain. Uh, And that's something that I experience uh, and have done, I suppose, since well, throughout the, the years, the 11 years that I've been menopausal. And it can be I feel like the tin man out of the Wizard of Oz sometimes, you know, when I bend over and and get up, it's like, oh, those creaking joints. But the lower back pain, I know that it can cause a little bit of anxiety with a lot of uh, women because it can be associated with many things. But with regards to menopause and the pelvic floor, why would someone experience lower back pain? There are studies that tell us that there is a strong associated with women who suffer from low back pain and pelvic floor dysfunction. So there is this association that is coming up in the research. And so this link between the pelvic floor affecting the the lower back and the lumbar spine area, we know those muscles attach around the sacrum and into the coccyx. So the muscular attachments of the pelvic floor to the back are certainly all related. So as a pelvic health and a women's health physio, you know, we're really interested in that, that whole area. We're not just looking at your back. So it's so nice to hear that you came in for treatment for your lower back. And, you know, we look just your spine and we're certainly able to ask those questions about your pelvic health and see how well that pelvic floor is functioning. And a lot of the time, low back pain has been associated with high tone in women's pelvic um, pelvic floor. So that high tone, that tension in their pelvic floor, they can be holding that tension and that tension can be sensitizing the whole system and causing that, that painful feeling in into their lower back. So just treating the low back by itself might not be enough these days to um, to help with those symptoms. So we certainly like to look a little bit further and dive a little bit deeper in, into the pelvic floor and how well it's working. Wow, it's so interesting, so scientific. And just, you know, I know that a lot of women 
maybe listening to this and thinking, oh my goodness, one more thing that we have to think about. I think as well, the research is really starting to catch up, Lisa. If, you know, there's still not enough that's been done for, for women in that perimenopause and menopausal uh, years. But finally, like it's starting to, to, to catch up, you know, we're living longer, we're demanding more of a, a quality of life, you know we are different to men a lot of the studies have been just done on men and then oh women yeah women can follow the same protocol so it's so nice it is it's a growing field and we're learning new things all the time but it's so nice that the research is there and that we can start to provide those evidence-based uh, treatments for our women oh it's fascinating i find it absolutely fascinating so let's let's talk about what can we do to strengthen our pelvic floor we always talk I suppose as a nutritionist, we talk about prevention of illness, prevention of disease in terms of the pelvic floor um, and women's health within menopause. What preventative things can we put in place prior to this transition and what can we do to uh, improve these uh, symptoms as well during the transition so if we think about the prevention where we're thinking about that good muscle function that good muscle tone that good muscle strength pre-menopause and that links in with being active that links into also you know doing some strength training as well we know that strength training will continue to bulk up those muscles keep that good muscle tone we need to be also thinking about about just regulating the pressure through our tummy, through our abdomen, and not um, having any sort of repetitive straining or downwards force through the pelvic floor. So if we think about that prevention, we're really thinking about our bowel activity and hopefully having nice, regular, happy poos. Um, and I know that this is a big area that you as a nutritionist work in, isn't it, Lisa? Oh, it's one of my favourite topics, talking about poo and getting people to... Uh have the perfect number four. Absolutely. So we would really encourage women to healthy, happy bowel movements so that they're not repetitively straining in that prevention um, era. And then if we think about moving further into those menopause years, it's continuing to maintain those good lifestyle factors and choices. So it's continuing to be active, but then specifically continuing pelvic floor exercises. So the research does tell us that if we maintain and do our pelvic floor exercises, and maybe maybe we can discuss actually how to do them because people are like, yeah, well, yeah, we've talked about the muscles, but I still don't know where they are. So pelvic floor muscle training, yeah, is like the gold standard in terms of um, maintaining that good strength through your pelvic floor as you go into that menopausal type. And along with, you know, continue your strength training, your flexibility training, all of those healthy lifestyle choices are, are going to be super important in, in the menopausal years. Kim, vaginal weights. <laughs> yes. What is going on with vaginal weights? Are they useful? Right. Well, they do come in different shapes and sizes, don't they? So quite interesting to think about. So they are a good, you know, what we call adjunct to our pelvic, like in our toolkit, if we're thinking about how we would strengthen our pelvic floor, we can do our, keep, you know, our pelvic floor muscle exercises. People have probably heard of them as a Kegel. Okay, so we can do those at home. If people want a little bit more potentially help in terms of feedback to help them really cue into those muscles, 
a vaginal weight could be useful in terms of it can give you a little bit more sensory feedback to that area. Some of them have little balls and it sounds a little bit weird, but they can be round and they can have this little ball in them that vibrates. And some of that vibration can actually then stimulate our nervous system and help with that muscle recruitment. So that can be quite useful. Some people find it like a nice progression. They're like, well, yeah, that was really good. I started with a low weight. I could then control that low weight. I could then move on to a slightly higher weight. So I just, you know, it helps them with their compliance. It helps them with their commitment to that exercise. So there are those factors that can be useful in that arena. It's certainly not like an essential must-do for everyone. Like it is optional. It is personal choice. So it just depends working with your physio or getting advice, you know, from that, that, that practitioner what's really going to suit you and your lifestyle and then you can just go from there and then a little bit of it will be experimenting with different sizes because again it's not a one size all fits approach some may women may find the balls a little bit easier some might find the cones which are slightly different shape a little bit easier as well so yeah it really is personal preference (laughs) (laughs) it's just so interesting but it's it's amazing like you said that you know women's health is getting more not airtime but people are starting to focus on it as women will go through menopause at varying degrees and at this stage in life we are living longer we do want to thrive and not just survive so it's great that the science is evolving all the time and you know I did find it hilarious that there were vaginal weights. <laughs> I haven't rushed out to buy them, obviously. Um, I don't feel like I need them, but I do, you know, like you said, the adjunct therapy that may be necessary for some women to use them to strengthen that area. At least now there are, you know, management and treatment techniques on the market for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're just discussing it, aren't we? We're here having this conversation and we're not, you know, hiding behind whispers. And I think it's so important that women like, you know, you're not alone in this journey. Like the statistics are there in terms of, you know, one in three women will have some stress urinary incontinence through over their lifespan. And that's quite huge. And even one in five, you know, after 40 have more anal issues or incontinence issues. So it's there. So addressing this need is super important, having these conversations and then just not suffering, knowing that, yep, I can do something about it. I can reach out, which is so empowering, I think, at the end of the day. And that's, yeah, it's the reason, you know, for the menopause space is to help people understand that you don't have to suffer through this. You know, there are things and there are people out there to help. It's gaining the confidence to access that information and that women like you are there practicing in this area because, it really helped me personally a lot. And I have, and I continue to learn so much in this area. So thank you for that. So are there any myths that you feel like you are burning inside you that you just want to say, no, this is not right? Is there anything that you would like to dispel regarding the pelvic floor? I have said the word Kegel. And really, you know, Kegel's, alone aren't enough so we think of oh yeah my pelvic floor's okay I'm doing my kegel exercises 
yes, Kegels are one piece of this jigsaw puzzle. Potentially for some women, you know, Kegels might be enough to maintain them, but not all the time and certainly sometimes not in isolation. So I think if we can move beyond Kegels into almost a little bit more of functional exercise. So Kegels in isolation, sort of one part, but then we need to move beyond Kegel exercises to really help address and make sure that women are not suffering through menopause and beyond. Okay. So if you're, if you're sort of sitting back saying, oh yeah, Kegels, I'm doing it. I'll be right. Like, It's one piece of the jigsaw puzzle, but then you might like to challenge yourself and think about, okay, well, how can we get stronger or get more functional or challenge the system in different ways? So that's something just, yeah, for women certainly to think about and just to challenge that that's all I need to do, which um, which isn't always right. So if you had three tips for women moving from their 40s or just even transitioning into their 40s or any woman who is experiencing early menopause for whatever reason, what would those three tips be to maintain and improve maybe your pelvic floor? As we get older, and I'm certainly up there with them, you know, movement and activity just becomes non-negotiable. We need to be exercising. You know, there are so many, uh, and I, I sound like everyone else, but there are so many health benefits in terms of mental, physical, you know, whole body wise. So movement is really non-negotiable. And whether that is, you know, walking, whether that's adding in a little bit more activity, you know, stair walking, impact, Then if we were to be, you know, a little bit more bold, we'd want a little bit of strength training mixed in with our activity. And we might even want that flexibility for women as well. And, you know, all of those components are going to be super important as we move and progress into those later years. So that's sort of top tip number one to really keep moving. Top tip two is our pelvic floor muscle exercises. It's well researched and we know that doing your pelvic floor muscle exercises is going to be helpful now and beyond. Okay, so continuing with your pelvic floor exercises, making sure that they almost sort of slot into that activity and functional arena, super important. The other thing is probably a little bit of your area is that bowel health. So it is, again, thinking about how we can maintain good, happy, healthy poos so that system is functioning, we are not overloading our pelvic floor, and that we've got good function through that system. And again, I know that you offer that nutrition advice so that people could definitely reach out. That is certainly your area of expertise. And certainly as a physio, we're really pro helping. Um, and for us, we're, we sort of look at the mechanics of bowel health as well. So if people are having more mechanical issues, we're interested in helping them with either the positioning or their breathing. And again, that muscle control and function, and we can certainly help out there. But that's the sort of third top tip that I can think about progressing on into, into those years. So ladies, if you're listening, with your bowel health, do not go on a keto diet yeah. as you enter into the menopause transition because you need fiber and fiber comes from predominantly carbohydrates. So we need good bowel function. Therefore, we need fiber. 
Um, so yeah, Kim, honestly, super important. So important. <laughs> I could chat to you about this all day, but I know that you have patience to see. So thank you so much for joining us here. And if anybody wants to reach out for a women's health pelvic floor exam, please do reach out to the ladies at Evolve, uh, where Kim works. Joint Dynamics Evolve. I cannot recommend them highly enough. They changed my world, and uh, I know that it can really make a difference to your quality of life for sure thank you oh you're welcome chat soon kim bye if you're interested in finding out more about managing your menopause symptoms through nutrition please visit www.reset-40.com reset 40 is a 12-week program for anyone preparing for or experiencing menopausal symptoms brought on by hormonal fluctuations the science-based approach can help you improve your health, mental clarity, and energy levels through the transition for a strong and confident menopause. And as always, you can reach out to us in the email address in the show notes with any feedback, comments, or questions. I'm Lisa Tarquini in Hong Kong. Thanks for listening. Join us next week wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was brought to you by Reset40 an evidence-based nutrition and wellness program for menopause and perimenopause. The Menopause Space is a bold type production produced by Paula Sales and edited by Richard Eldred.